we have to get so much better <laughs> at branding ourselves yeah. and creating an experience and providing delight to customers so that, you know, in their work environment, we've made their work better. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, so this is our hashtag one team episode. Sangram and someone from the Terminus team discuss what they're learning at the moment and how it applies to you. Here we go. Sangramir, welcome to the Flip My Funnel podcast. Super excited. This is our one team, which means we bring in somebody from, from Terminus and we talk about the different things that we are working on and learning every single day. So backed by popular demand, we have Brian Bound. Uh, he's our chief product officer. And we really get into this conversation of what is the difference between B2B and B2C marketing and what can we in B2B learn from B2C. And and Brian really takes over, um, and I think he got into his element here a little bit, so we we're about to jump into that, but really talks about what happened with iTunes and Apple and, and why did they win the war at the end of the day. So we really get into some really, really interesting stories of different technology companies moving in a different direction, and based on what they chose to do, they became legends. So here we go. We left yeah. everyone else out. Right. No one else could come in and compete. So we, software, hardware, and a physical location to kind of get all those three things. Yep. Yep. The the music store, like, you know, just it, you know, Napster, right? Like yeah. all these things where you were trying to get <laughs> free music yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah. So they just like displaced that chain. And so every other play, player in the market only had one one spot, right? Yeah. And so they combined those things. And then you think about what happened with Apple is you know, like back in the day, most people, everyone had a PC. Right. Like Apple was for like teachers and yeah. like uh, movie makers, right? Like yeah. filmmakers, right? Yeah. It was like not everyone was using them, even though they were a great, great computer, but like they didn't have much market. Right. They made the iPod and they made the decision to allow their software to work on PCs. Mm. So they introduced an Apple product into every home in America, like really, <laughs> and in the world. Yeah. And then over time, right, that started to transition people to become more and more familiar. So the iPod actually yeah. led the success of the iPhone. And then once you have that core capability, you have that infrastructure, now you're like, well, let's swap in a better device. Yeah. Let's bring in a phone that can not just play music, but yeah. it can do all these other things. Then bring iPad and then bring yeah. all the things. But all those things leverage the same core assets they built. They all leverage the infrastructure of iTunes software, yep. right? The ability to be on everyone's machine. And so now you have a phone and yep. the phone is so much like was so much like a computer that it started to to move people to more Apple products, right? And slowly over time, like their market share just, you know, increased. So what what do you think we can like if we like if you think about like from B2B standpoint, like this is a great B2C experience. What can B2B learn from that? <laughs> um, that's a really, that's yeah. a really good question. Yeah. I mean, um, discipline, right? They were, they became super focused on that, that device. Yeah. And they, they saw a series of moves and they set out to do them, which at the time Apple had a bunch of other products they had a bunch of other things they were doing. Yeah. And they started to cut to exit those other spaces. And they put all their emphasis on this, this new device. And um, and they weren't focused on selling 
their more more computers at the time. Yeah. They were focused on the devices and then the phone, and then that led them to ultimately then be able to sell a lot more yeah. of their machines. Um, so I mean, you know, from a business standpoint, like discipline. Yeah. Companies are just we are just we struggle because everyone has an idea. Yeah. And every idea sounds good. Right. But like you really have to step back and say like what are the sequence of moves we're going to make right to be able to displace our competitors right and so you, and you may not know it right but having a foundation that says here's the foundation we're going to build upon is going to be really, really important yeah, yeah. and you, they it, and it's definitely a you definitely have to build yeah, yeah. i don't think amazon when you know yeah, when they start Bezos. their bookstore like they didn't know they were going to buy Whole Foods, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, or like the AWS services and stuff no, like that. Clearly, the whole, right? whole world is going to be yeah. kind of running and, around. And AWS services is a great example of a company who had to build a core capability yeah. to deliver the volume of orders through their, through their system. They had to create incredible cloud infrastructure that did not exist at the time. Yeah. And they were able to do something that which most companies would have never been able to pull Insane. off, yeah. which was to take that asset and use it in a completely different way. Yeah. And um, and so now that, that same asset, they're getting leverage off it in revenue in many different ways, right? And so that asset, you could almost say their asset is not selling stuff. Their asset is the infrastructure to sell. It's not the products they sell. That's, right. that's why they opened up their marketplace to so many other sellers. They don't really care if they're the one yeah. selling the product. It just needs to come through through their store, right? Through yeah. their infrastructure. So in both cases, if, if I were to kind of think about it, like, well, what can we learn from these two iconic brands, right? That everybody has some part of it. Like it's in everybody's home. It's in everybody's pocket, <laughs> right? You know, I don't, I get like boxes in front of my house that I have no idea about. And, and we all buy so much from Amazon. You know what? I know what it is. Yeah. It's, it's ease of use and experience. There you go. Right? There you like go. I gladly pay for Prime yeah. because... I don't ever have to worry about the cost of shipping and right. think, am I getting a good deal and all this other stuff? And it's it comes the next day, like yeah. or the same day, right? Right. That experience is really hard to for someone else to come in and disrupt. Right. So yeah, if yeah, you right. as a business leader think about the experience you're creating for your customers, if you focus on building building assets that create an amazing experience then no one can beat your amazing experience because they, they might not have the same ability to create those assets. Right. So what are the assets? Like think back to Amazon, think of the assets they created that allowed them to produce this amazing experience. Yep. Anyone who enters today, it would take them that whole, yeah. you know, They path. just created a bar so high. So that high. You can't even go. So love that because then you add that to like Uber. Like, why do people, you know, why, why, I mean, everybody knew about this challenge that, okay, taxes are, you know, horrible, horrible, right? right? But but nobody came and everybody accepted that as a problem. Like, yeah, Yeah. not as a problem, but that's, that's the way of life. We were willing to live with it. Yeah. Right. Until Uber came along and said, you know what, there's a better way. I can make it convenient, make it easy. And I'll like, you know, giving you back time. Uh, in your day because you no longer have to go through the hassle of like swiping a credit card and going through and figuring out where is my credit card going to go after that. And you know what? That's innovation. That's disruption, right? And and what made that a success is that people were willing to pay. Yeah. And that's the hard part. Like when you're, when you are um, an entrepreneur, there's not research to tell you whether people are going to be willing to pay for something that's never been invented. Right. You kind of have to just put yourself out there and you, you go for believe it. in it and go and you it. see what happens in yeah. some ways, right? And that's really where your gut gut yeah. instinct comes in. Your know, gut is like I love I love 
operating on gut. And I'll yeah. tell you why. Like people are like, wait, what? Yeah. You know, but your brain has taken in years and years and decades yeah. of information. Yeah. You've analyzed stuff. We've all read research. We've read, you know, companies who've been successful. We've consumed a ton of information about our customers, about markets, about our own experiences. Yeah. All that stuff is in your brain. Yeah. There's no way that you can recall all that and, and coalesce it. Put it in, in a spreadsheet and put it in a PowerPoint. But your brain is wired to your gut. Yeah. And when you start thinking about an idea or you hear someone else's idea, your gut has an initial reaction yeah. of whether this is good or bad. Yeah. And that gut is your brain telling you whether it's good or bad because of mountains of information that yeah. you couldn't possibly organized, but it's in your brain. It, I love that, man. Uh, you know me, like I like 99% of the time, I just like, I, I just gut. And I sometimes wonder, like, I don't want to be arrogant about it. Like, you know, like, because data obviously sells to like majority of the people. But if you think about it, like most businesses, most entrepreneurial careers, most new things that happen in life, they're all from gut. There's no yeah. data to back that up. And data, my opinion, data rarely tells you what to do. You yeah. still have to Produce an insight process. on top of it. Yeah. Because in isolation, the number just sort of like is is a static thing. Yeah. It's all the other things around that number and what you would how you would interpret that in a real world scenario that that yeah. it tells you whether something's a good idea or not. Yeah, man, this is good. So if 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 like if anybody's listening, this is all recorded. We didn't even say that we we're gonna record this <laughs> thing, but this is all recorded. Uh, but this was really cool to kind of recognize that B2B can learn from B2C. And if you start to kind of look at the patterns of what these amazing B2C companies are doing, and, and let's take Google as an example, take Uber as an example, Amazon, um, all of these things are creating in our Apple, all of them are creating to what we just talked about, a foundation of technologies to kind of support. Uh, but at the end of the day, from a end user perspective, the reason we buy from these companies and are so comfortable and import and most importantly, we're actually paying premium in many cases yeah. to like, you know, I remember like st- like waiting at, uh, at, at the airport and there was a taxi in front of me, but I still called Uber. Right? This is how it reversed. Like Uber was there to kind of take away this thing with the taxi guys looking at me and I'm calling Uber. You appreciated the convenience of of the app and the experience and not having to pull out money or pay for it directly that you were willing to wait longer. Right. So it just flipped. Like initially it was to save me time and create convenience. And now I'm like paying more money and spending more time to get that because that experience, that experience mattered. Yeah. to me, right? So in general, people make a mistake of saying that we are, we're going to be in this price war. Well, you can always charge a premium if you're actually giving an incredible service and have an experience that people can count on every single time. And I think that's, you know, going back to brand promise, what yeah. what, what can B2B learn from B2C? Yeah. It's you have to have a brand. Yeah. And for years, B2B companies built crappy software. Yeah. For decades, <laughs> right? Like the worst software. And, and people had to go, I, I used to think about this like, what would it feel like for my customer who has to use my software for eight hours a day? Because, yes. you know, in, in business to business, you're selling something that people likely use all day. It's their career is spent in your product. Yeah. Build a great product, right? And so B2C companies think all about brand. Yeah. And the great B2B companies have found a way, like you were saying, you know, in a prior conversation around exact target, right? They, they built that brand. Yeah of orange, right? And orange meant something to to their customers, right? Right. And so, you know, think about like the apps on your phone, right? If you're willing to put an app on the home screen of your phone or yeah. maybe one swipe away, that's brand. You that's want huge. that close to your life. Yeah. Like, so whether it's a B2B or B2C app, like that is brand position. And yeah. so 
B2B, man, we have to get so much better <laughs> at branding ourselves yeah. and creating an experience and providing delight to customers so that, you know, in their work environment, we've made their work better. Better, yeah. I'll leave with this example. Um, so m- most people know this, that I have a Jeep Wrangler, and which is a incredibly <laughs> different thing to, to hire, like somebody coming from India and not thinking that he's going to have a Jeep Wrangler. Like it just doesn't work that way, right? So, and the reason I have a Jeep Wrangler because I went to University of Alabama and I saw yeah. Jeeps every single day. And then I went to their website and, and for the last 10 years, they have been branding to me about Jeep Wrangler. That's the American way of living. And, and I've been bought into that idea. You wanted that, to experience yeah, it. Yeah, I wanted to experience it. <laughs> so 10 years later, 10 years later, I go and buy a Jeep Wrangler. It took, you know, 10 years for my wife to be convinced that we need to have a Jeep Wrangler and with, with two kids and everything. But that shows to the power of brand, right? Like it, it was an imprint in my head. And if we go around and ask people, hey, give me the top three brands of the shoes that you buy. And most people would have like two or three. If you ask them, give me 10 brands, they won't be able to remember that. Yeah. People only have shelf life of maybe two or three things in every category that could be like groceries or food or hotels. Like we all only remember two or three things about a certain category. So from a B2B perspective, if your brand is not something that people are thinking about as part of their daily jobs because they're working in a, in a job, then you're gonna lose in, a, in the long run. Yeah. So to your point, how do we create a brand that has a lasting impression that people have it like one swipe away on their phone kind of mentality? Yeah. That can completely change the way brand works. Yeah, and I, I know you're trying to wrap up saying, I got one more idea. <laughs> Go for one it. more idea, which is, you know, it, you know B2B companies, we're, we're obsessed with NPS, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you know, what, what's an NPS score for people? Net promoter know? score, right? right? Like everyone's like, what's our net? Are we surveying our customers to see if they would tell others about our products? Yeah. Would they recommend us, right? right. It's a great metric. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, it is a great, it's a great way to sort of assess your customer base. But like the true measure is when, when your customer leaves that company to go to a new company, yeah. do they bring your tool with them? Mm. And, you know, like when you have that happening in your yeah. business, you know that you have truly created something it's that people cool. can't live without. Yeah. Not only are they just like, will they tell someone about it, but they will not live without it. Yeah. They're going to make sure that they have it wherever they go. They and go into the interview process and say, hey, what, what do you want in order for you to be successful? Well, I want this product. I need these order. tools yeah. to, to be successful. That's awesome. All right, Brian, another great podcast, man. Like we just talking about what, uh, what B2B companies can learn from B2C. I think this is great. Awesome. Thanks, right. Ingram. Flip My Funnel is on a mission to build the largest and most engaged community of B2B professionals in the world. Join the movement at flipmyfunnel.com. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.